0: Well, friends, welcome uh, to a brand new series we're starting today called Holy Spirit. And uh, as I was thinking of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this, this came to mind, um, that uh, when we think of Jesus, we sometimes think, oh, Jesus, yes, He's so loving. He's so Jesus. He's very loving, heart emoji, love Jesus. And then sometimes with God the Father, like, oh, He's kind of angry, seems to be upset a lot. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit, He's kind of like so mysterious. And as I was thinking about that, this, this may not ring true for you, I know I've had my own versions of kind of like, okay, how come Jesus seems to be this way, then God the Father is that way, and then what exactly is God the Holy Spirit like? And, and here's just what I'll say, and it's not even the point of the message, but if there's a gap between who you perceive God the Father is and who you perceive God the Son to be, in that gap, what lies there are lies, Or a bunch of misunderstandings because Jesus said when he came, he came to show us exactly what the Father was like. So Jesus would say, If you've seen me, you've seen my dad. If you want to know what he's like, what he thinks like, what he loves like, what he talks like, what he acts like, what he feels like, just look at me. So if there's any gap between how you think of God the Father, God the Son, Jesus came to close that gap. He came to shrink it. And he said, If you want to know what the Father is like, then look at me. But sometimes I think some of us were are just more comfortable with Jesus and we just want to stay there. And here's what I would say to that. If you want to be more like Jesus, if you want more of Jesus, the path to becoming more like Jesus runs through God's Holy Spirit. If you desire more of Jesus, the path to more of Him and more like Jesus runs through and with God's Holy Spirit. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about God's Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about where God's Spirit wants to dwell, where He wants to live. Next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be born again, by His Spirit, and then walk in His Spirit. And then part three, uh, we're going to talk about how it is actually God's Holy Spirit that keeps us and enables us to be one with one another, despite any disagreements or differences that we have between us, that God's Holy Spirit unites us. So whatever you can do to not miss a part of this, and if you can't be here, then then watch and catch up on YouTube, but don't miss a part of this. Um, and here's one of the reasons why. We all have a tendency to fear or resist or avoid anything or anyone we don't understand. And a lack of understanding about God's Holy Spirit could lead us to fear surrendering, surrendering our lives to Him, uh, resist seeking more of Him, or avoid learning more about Him. And consequently, when we resist, when we avoid, we could end up feeling like God is maybe distant from us, not close to us. Have you ever just felt that? You tried to read, you tried to pray, you sat at church, you saw other people standing and raising their hands, and you just went, I just don't know that God's close to me. He does not feel close to me right now. There feels like there's a distance, and after all, um, isn't distance sometimes the things we create between ourselves and others when they're different than us? When we lack an understanding, when there's a misunderstanding between us and someone else, don't we often create distance? Have you ever had someone, like, create distance between themselves and you because of a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding? Uh, I have found and I have observed in my own life, I don't even need to look at anybody else's life, that creating distance between ourselves and others is one of the things we do to protect ourselves. It is one of the things we do to punish others, to manipulate others. And creating distance is one of the things we sometimes do to avoid feeling any tinge of discomfort or fear. Let me just create some distance from that. And the pro- I'm not suggesting that creating dis- distance is, is never appropriate. Sometimes it can be the absolute right thing to do. The problems come when creating distance is our kind of reflex reflexive response to everything that's uncomfortable. And creating distance can not only affect, of course, how we relate to one another, but it can even affect how we feel like God is relating to us. If you've had a father or a mother neglect you or walk out on you, we would all understand if you feel a little insecure about whether your heavenly Father is always going to be there for you. If you feel unworthy because of your past mistakes, or current consequences you're facing because of current mistakes you've made and you feel unworthy because of all of that, we would all understand how easy it is to begin to wonder and believe that maybe God finds you also unworthy. I know at times I have felt unworthy to pray or read my Bible because of the guilt I had for not having prayed or read my Bible enough. I have sometimes felt like I don't know that God is going to speak to me or answer my prayers because of how much doubt I have and how many questions I have. I have felt sometimes like God was distant from me because of the fact that I knew I wasn't seeking Him like I should. It is completely normal to project our thoughts and feelings and actions onto God. Maybe you've experienced someone holding your sins against you and reminding you of them, and you could begin to wonder and project onto God, I wonder if God is holding my sins against me too. I wonder if he also doesn't forgive me. Maybe you've experienced rejection from others in your life because of your repeated mistakes that you said you weren't going to do anymore, and they rejected you because you've now done it again, and you can easily begin to wonder, I wonder if God rejects me too. Maybe you've experienced being left alone in your mess that you made. And you begin to wonder, I wonder if God leaves me alone in my mess too. I wonder if God also has the same attitude as some of my family and friends where they God also believes it's your bed, you made it, you get to lie in it. And once you clean it up and fix it up, then we can hang out again. Some of us have even been taught, maybe even sitting in a religious building like this, that God's Holy Spirit is so holy that when you are acting unholy, it must depart from you. He just can't be around you. I mean, certainly, right? The Holy Spirit is holy. It's certainly He must distance Himself from us when we have struggles, when we have complaints, when we have questions about the stories in the Bible, when we have doubts, when we have straight-out disobedience. Certainly, A Holy Spirit would have to distance himself from me in those moments. I am so thankful each one of you are here today. I'm thankful that I'm here today. This message is for me, too. I believe we're all here for a divine reason every time. I believe God wants to change some ways about how we think today. I believe God wants to replace some lies with some truth today. I believe God wants to give you and I a hunger and a thirst for the Holy Spirit that we've never quite had before, and He wants to give it today. He wants to change our appetite. He wants to whet our appetite for more of the Holy Spirit. I believe that despite any lack of understanding you may have about God's Holy Spirit or any discomfort you may feel around the idea of the Holy Spirit He wants you to hear something today that will cause you to grow and become more like Jesus and become more the disciple you want to be, and mom you want to be, and kid you want to be. So I want to begin our conversation about the Holy Spirit by going back to the beginning. And we are going to soar around the Scriptures, trace the movement of God's Holy Spirit, And then we're going to land our plane in our time, hopefully on time, and hopefully land the plane right in your seat. So, strap in, hold on to your any belongings. Uh, We're going to look to see how we can better understand the movement of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit wants to move in us today. So, God, move in me. Change me. Move in us. May you find fertile soil in our hearts that could receive whatever truth you want to speak that would uncover and remove any weeds of lies and misunderstandings or fears that have grown inside of our souls. Remove those and replace them with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, participation will be needed on this ride. So humor me, indulge me. Here we go. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning, to the very beginning, the book of Genesis, the first book found in our Old Testaments, and that's where our, we're going to take off. So I'm going to read a bunch of verses. Here we go. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And then, here we go, and the Spirit of God was hovering Over the surface of the waters. Now, here's where I need participation. Would you say over with me? Ready? One, two, three. Over. It was hovering over. So, at this time and for a time, God's Spirit dwelt over His creation. Over. Welcome, my man. He's on keyboard today. You're good. Oh, we got a chase going. Who's going to win? Oh, he is on the keyboard. Very nice. I don't know that I gave I actually had authority to get to get you onto the keyboard, but that's okay. I got to <laughs> play it, my man. Do it. Love that. You rock, bro. <laughs> I love everything about that. God's spirit hovered over, and it was a beautiful reminder that God's spirit wanted to dwell over Everything that he had created, okay? And as his Holy Spirit hovered over, God's plan for his spirit wasn't over. There was more things to come. So here we go. We're going to keep, we're going to fly hundreds of generations into the future from that day into the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. Exodus chapter 40. Here we go. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Would you say tabernacle with me? Ready? Tabernacle. The tabernacle was like a movable tent that God's people would set up right in the middle of camp, and God's Holy Spirit would fill it. And at that time, and for a time, God's Holy Spirit would fill a man-made tent And it was a beautiful reminder to God's people that whenever they would pack up and move and go, God would pack up and go with them. So they pack up the tent and the tabernacle, and they move it, and God goes, I'm going with you. Beautiful reminder. So pay attention to the progression just real quick that we've already seen. In the beginning, God's Holy Spirit hovered over God-created things. And now in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, God's Holy Spirit is filling man-made things. So here we go. Let's soar some more. Fast forward about 400 years in the time of Israel's kings and kingdom, the book of 2 Chronicles. Here we go. When Solomon, who was one of David, King David's sons, finished praying... Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. Would you say temple with me? Ready? Temple. The temple was different than the tabernacle. The temple was like a permanent, immovable structure that sat with God's people. And at that time, and for a time, God's Holy Spirit would fill a man-made structure, and it was a beautiful reminder that He would always be with them. This is a permanent thing. It's always going to be here. And it was a beautiful reminder when they would see it, to remember, oh, yeah, God is always with us. Beautiful reminder. He would always be in their midst. Now, as time would go on, there were hints scattered all throughout the Old Testament That God was up to something that he would never done before and nobody really could have ever conceived of or imagined. Something so unexpected that it would have been unbelievable to them and is still kind of unbelievable to, to religious people today. The Holy Spirit and proximity to God's humanity, the gap is starting to shrink. Let's continue on. The book of Judges. I'm going to read a few verses. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on a man named Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon a man named Samson. In 1 Samuel, the Spirit of the God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying, and that man was named Saul. Would you say upon with me? Ready? Upon. I said it before you. But that's fine. So, at that time, and for a time, God's Holy Spirit would fall upon specifically chosen individual for a specific purpose. The Holy Spirit was not only filling a man-made temple, but now it was going to settle upon certain people. And who were those people? Well, they were mostly prophets, kings, kings kind of upper class, power people, high up people like King Saul or judges like Gideon. But God didn't want to stop with just kings and prophets. He was up to something new, and one of the first people to kind of have like a clue about what God may be up to, and I don't even know if he really did or not, or was just desperate. But one of the first people to kind of drop a hint about this was a man named Moses. Here's what Moses said as recorded for us in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Moses replied, I only wish, I feel like he said this desperately, I only wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon not just kings, not just people like him, but all of God's people. This was Moses' wish. I think he felt that pressure of like, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit is upon me, and I have to like make all these decisions. I think he was desperate for the Holy Spirit to start just falling on people. Moses is kind of foreshadowing a change that was coming, and even in Moses' wish, he couldn't have quite understood fully what Jesus was going to do, because Jesus, God was going to go far beyond Moses' wish. So we get another hint as we fly through history. There's a man named Joel who was a prophet, who God's Holy Spirit would have fell upon Joel. And God spoke to Joel, and here's what he said to him in the book named after him. And afterward, this is God speaking to Joel. I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, meaning it hadn't happened yet in Joel's day. Would you say all people with me? All people. Would you say even with me? Even. Because some of you are sitting there going, even? even, even me? Who am I? So I think in this, God was like, God didn't stop at all people because he knew that people like me were going to be like, yeah, but what about people like me who aren't kings and prophets? He's like, even, even the servants. If I go back in time, I'm pretty sure I'm a servant. I'm just banking on that. I'm taking orders from someone. I just know that. I love that, because then, you know, it's a very kind of male-dominated culture. So the women were going, well, yeah, not us. Even the women, because there are women going, certainly this doesn't apply to us. It applies to men and kings and prophets. And God goes, Joel, I'm up to something you could have never imagined. And it includes the lowliest of lows, The slave and the servant, not just the master, but all my kids. The anybody's and the everybody's. Anybody else just feel like an anybody? That's how I feel. I'm one of those people that need to be reminded of the even (laughs) Adams. I need that reminder. So, a couple of hundred years after God spoke these words to the prophet Joel, he would speak words to another prophet who the Holy Spirit sat upon, a man named Ezekiel. His story is found in the Old Testament. and Here's what God said to him. A day is coming. I will give you a new heart. I will give you new and right desires and put a new spirit in a temple somewhere. No. In a tabernacle. No within you, and I will take out your stony hearts. you ever just feel like hard-hearted and stuck? I will take out your stony hearts of sin and give you new hearts of love, and I will put my Spirit within you so that you can obey my laws and commands and do whatever I command. Have you ever known what you're supposed to do and couldn't do it? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Would you say within you, with me? Within you. Within you, you mean within, like, like above creation, right? Nope. Well, within, you mean within the tabernacle and temple, right? Nope. Now, you mean within, you mean like prophets and presidents and kings, right? No. Well, you mean just like, you know, specifically chosen, really holy people? No. Within God's people, regardless of age race, gender, status. So pay attention to the progression. From the very beginning, God's Holy Spirit is above creation. God's Holy Spirit fills God-created things, and then it lowers itself and begins to fill man-made things like tabernacles and temples. And then it settles even lower just upon specifically chosen individuals And now there's a promise of a new thing and a new time coming where God's Spirit will dwell within His kids. Like I said, we sometimes put distance between one another because we don't like one another and we aren't like one another. We are nothing like God, yet He doesn't do that to us. He likes us. In fact, God can't get close enough to us. Distance is not God's desire. See the movement of the Holy Spirit from up there, a little bit closer, 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 a little bit. You turn the pages of the Bible, and all God is doing is trying to get closer, like it was in the very beginning when He walked with Adam and Eve. And then Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, and who distanced themselves in the garden? Not God. They distanced themselves because of their sin. You ever done that? I shouldn't go to church today because of what I did. Maybe you even turned your car halfway around and went back home. And go, oh, I can't. No, oh, I, I know God's not happy with me. Who, God went looking for them in the garden. They didn't go looking for God. They hid themselves. And even in the garden, you see, Adam, where are you? Distance is not what God desires. In fact, because there was distance between God and His creation is why He sent Jesus. And we celebrate that every December. Jesus came to shrink the gap between us and God. He came to show the way, the path between us and God, a holy God and an unholy Adam. And all who believe in Jesus can dwell with God's Spirit on this side of eternity and forever. Jesus destroys distance. He just destroys it, whether it's because of sin or leprosy or whatever's going on. So some 800 years after the words of Joel, imagine that. You hear this spirit on even servants, 800 years. I wait like a week, and if he hasn't done it yet, I'm like, all right, you're not a God of your word. Uh, You cannot be trusted, right? Uh, Who am I kidding a week? It does not take that long for me. It does not. Jesus is in a conversation with a woman at a well. And they're talking about lots of stuff. And he brings up to her what's going on in her life relationally, which was a mess. So she immediately changes the conversation to, like, theological discussions because we want to avoid whatever's uncomfortable. So she brings up, like, this theological big question of Jesus, and Jesus is more than happy to not redirect it back to her. But well, let's have this conversation. So it's a conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman at the well, and she basically asks him, hey, 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 us Samaritans and you Jews, you Jews believe you have to worship uh, in Jerusalem, and we have our own little sacred tabernacle temple here. Which one's the right place to go? So that's the context. That's the question. Jesus, tell me, where does one go to worship? Is it at that building or this building? Is it in that city or this city? Here was Jesus' reply. He says, believe me. I think he's saying that to us right now. Believe me with what he's about to say. A time is coming when you will worship the Father. Oh, this is this is mind-bending news. We can't I, we can't even understand how dramatic these words would have felt. A time is coming. Well, you will neither on this. You will when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain in Samaria or in Jerusalem. What do you mean? That's what the whole thing is built around. What are you saying, Jesus? You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews, yet a time is coming, and get it, and has now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit, And in truth, Jesus is giving us an invitation to get to know God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying the tabernacle and the temple had a time, but it was for a time. And that time is over. Jesus says, now the time has come. This would have been mind-bending for Jesus' disciples to hear this. They were Jewish young men. They would have known that you always go to the temple. That's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where He will always be. If you want to get close to God, you have to travel to Jerusalem. Can anybody see how limiting that might be to anybody who does not live near Jerusalem? What if there was, like, one dude who had a smartphone and the Internet, and that was it, and they lived... Somewhere on the other side of the planet, we'd all be going, oh, how do we get that? I guess I just don't have a place to get false information anymore. I don't know. That's what we'd be saying. Your family has plenty of that. You can get it from them. Jesus said to this woman, and he says to you and I, believe me. So about two years later, after this conversation, Jesus gathered his closest disciples to them. And it says on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, John the baptizer, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Get this. He just told the lady in in Samaria, yeah, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. Now he's telling disciples, yeah, you need to go to Jerusalem. So which is it? But they didn't go to the temple. They went to some dude's house. And we're in his, this guy's upper room that they borrowed for the day. They weren't at the temple. Would you say baptize with me? Ready? Baptize. Baptize in his Holy Spirit. Full immersion. Full saturation. How wet does one get when they get water baptized? Fully. That is what Jesus is saying. I want you to be fully immersed in my. Holy Spirit, every part of you wet, nothing left untouched, not your worst sin, not your worst regret, not your biggest fear, none of it does not get touched. He wants us to get soaking wet with his Holy Spirit, no matter how uncomfortable that may be or how little understanding that we have about what even that means. Some of you are lied to and you think that's going to make you weird. No, it'll make you free. It'll make you free. And freedom freedom is not weird. I want more of it. Jesus is not going to turn you into a wacko. Getting closer to landing the plane. Here we go. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together. They obeyed Jesus. They went in Jerusalem. They're all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. Oh, yeah, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It fills man-made structures like houses. Got it. Done. Check. Yeah, it's perfect. That's what he's always kind of done. But they go on. They saw what seemed to be tongues, a fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit doesn't just stop with the house they were sitting in. He fills them, and they immediately begin to change. This is the moment. This is the fulfillment of Moses' wish, of the words God spoke to Joel and the words God spoke to Ezekiel. This was his plan from the beginning. God's Spirit doesn't want to dwell in man-made temples. It wants to dwell in mankind. It wants to dwell in mankind. That's where his Holy Spirit, that was his plan from the very beginning. All that stuff had a time and a place for a time and a place. But Jesus came and he put some periods on some sentences and he wrote some new ones. And he said, oh, the plan was never just to remain above things. It was never just made to just fill inanimate objects. It was never meant to just only settle upon the holiest of holy men who preach and teach and have things around their collars and, and are kind of separated and elevated. No, it was never the plan. His plan was mankind for his kids. His desire is to remove distance between himself and his creation. And that's for you, and that's for me, and that's for the anybodys, and that's the everybodys. Anyone who calls out onto the name of Jesus can be saved and receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. And if you've already done that, you have that gift, and you know he just wants you to get wetter wetter. He just wants you to get more wet, more baptized. He wants you to ask for more, invite him in for more. Paul the Apostle, who began his ministry after Jesus had died and resurrected from the dead, when went out planting churches and writing letters. I'm telling you, these words that he wrote, I just can't even imagine how shocked people would have been when they heard them. Here's what he said to these Christians. And it was a reminder to them, and it's a reminder to us. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You make no, no, wait a minute, the temple's in Jerusalem. No, the temple is you that I'm writing this letter to. Do you not know? Why did he ask, do you not know? Because they just didn't know. They forget. They keep thinking that the Holy Spirit is like for certain specific holy men or for certain holy sacred sites that are somewhere that you have to travel to. So Paul says to these Christians, don't you know? Don't you realize who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. Now, this is countercultural. You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. In essence, a disciple of Jesus, my body is not my body. I know that's not very popular. My body is not my body. He bought it with his blood. And he wants good things for my body, not bad things. Do you know Christianity is one of the only worldwide religions I know that does not have a temple? Well, I take it back. I take it back. We have about 2.4 billion of them scattered around the world in every country and continent. And we have a bunch of them gathered right here at 6545 Combe Road at a building called Crossroads. There's our temples. Just no one wants to pay to travel to see us, probably, (laughs) unless you have a long dating relationship. They'll be happy to go see you. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is why Christians don't treat sex or sexuality casually. We treat it with sacredness because our bodies are the temple. But what if I don't treat my temple with very much sacredness and I put a bunch of stuff of this in here and I'm out there doing that with my body, then what? It's a great question. Before I answer that, did you know that you were more sacred than any sacred religious shrine or temple you could go visit and fly to? That is what Jesus wants you to come to believe. And that is not to puff us up or make us arrogant. I find it quite humbling because I'm the one that's always going, Even me? Even me? You might think, But I'm not worthy, I know, but He is. You may think, but I'm not good. I know, but he is. Uh, but I'm not perfect. I, I know, but he is. But I'm unfaithful. Well, I know he's not. But I fail. I know, but he doesn't. But I distance myself. I know, but he won't. And so you may be wondering, well, Adam, are you trying to say that if I sin on purpose and repeatedly, God's Spirit will not leave me and will stay close with me? My answer to that is I'm not saying that at all. God is saying that. God is saying that. Not me. Who cares what I have to say about anything? God is saying that. I understand that when we sin against one another, we create distance between one another. What I'm here to say is God is not like us. He does not do that. So, let me show you how. Let's soar just a little bit more. Hebrews chapter 13. This is in the New Testament. He repeats a verse from the Old Testament. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never. Would you say never with me? Never. In 2 Timothy, if we believe not, meaning I don't really have a lot of faith, I got a lot of doubt, yet he, God, abideth faithful. Why? Not because I'm so awesome, because he has to remain true to himself. He cannot deny himself. Are you trying to say that God is faithful, even when I'm not, I'm not saying that at all? God is saying that. Because God is not like me, and he does not leave me. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, meaning Jesus, were sealed, sealed, with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance. Sounds kind of like a final deal. But Adam, what about verses like this I've read in the, in the Old Testament? First Samuel, this is in the Old Testament. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. See, he can leave us. Again, at a time, for a time. And that time is over. God gets to decide days and times and when something begins and when something ends. He put a period on that. In fact, there's a verse in Leviticus that says don't wear clothes that have more than one kind of material made out of them. Everybody check the tag of the person next to you. You're all sinning. I'm sinning. You ignored that one and you came anyways and we're thankful that you did. There's just some things that God puts a period on that sentence. He's like, "Wear cotton and polyester. That's fantastic." So we do, but for that time, it had a time, and that time is over, and that's not to say that everything you read in the Bible has a time that ends, but I am saying what God was up to with His Spirit, He's up to something new. If you've been told that the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost leaves you when you sin, You've been lied to by your enemy, the father of lies, or you've been lied, deceived by someone who was just deceived themselves. They meant well. They didn't have ill will towards you. They meant well. John, the disciple, records this teaching from Jesus, and Jesus said to disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Helper is the Holy Spirit, to be with you Forever. And I thought, well, how do I illustrate how long forever is? And there's a video, I think, that does it far better than I could ever share. So here we go. All right. If you don't know that, what that is, you need more Holy Spirit. Um, That is from the Sandlot filmed right here in Utah. Unbelievable. Forever. Ver, all right? When we mess up is when we need God's Holy Spirit the most. When we're sinning, when we're questioning, when we're doubting, when we promise God, I'll never do that again, and then we did it again. When we're broken, when we're suffering from consequences to our own decisions is when we need God's Holy Spirit the most. But it's easy and it's normal to think that in those moments is when he distances himself from you. <clears throat> I'd like to invite my son, Elijah, up with me for a second. Thank you, Eli. <clears throat> you want to come up here, buddy? This is my son, Elijah, if you've not met him. He's love this kid. Listen, Eli's like me. He messes up. He makes mistakes. He sins just like I do. I'm not just raising him. God is using him to raise me as a parent. If whenever he messes up, this was my response. Back, turn, distance. If every time he sinned and messed up or disobeyed or lied or did anything, or was just hurting, and I create distance, not one of you would think I'm a good father. If I did that to my friends, not one of you would say, Adam's a good friend. But yet, we worship a good father far better than me. And yet, we've been told that when we are in our sin, that God the Heavenly Father does this and creates distance. When my son messes up and when I mess up, do you know what I need? Proximity. I can better help him if I'm close to him, not far from him. The Holy Spirit knows this. Thank you, son. The Holy Spirit knows this, that when I am sinning, do I make mistakes? Yes. Do I sin on purpose? Yes. That is different than a mistake. Have I sometimes just outright said, I am sinning? Yes. God does not compound my sin with a bigger problem, which is just leaving me to myself. God's Holy Spirit understands that what I need in my sin is proximity, because His Holy Spirit can bring me to humility. But He needs proximity in order to make me humble. If He's going to bring me to repentance, He needs to be near me, not far away from me. And I really have no capacity to clean myself up, and he knows that too. So he's like, let me get in there with the mess. Before God sent Jesus, the world was just a hot mess. And Jesus could have just stayed up there, and God was like, son, I need you to go right into the middle of all that. God's still doing that, still sending his spirit he sent his son now he sent his spirit to get in your mess that you might have even made yourself god's spirit does not want to dwell in man-made temples but in mankind in you and me the anybody's the everybody's anyone who calls on the name of jesus for salvation so what is something you can do today you can receive the gift Receive the gift of salvation. Receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Get curious about the Holy Spirit. If you're more comfortable with Jesus, but you know you do want to be more like Jesus, remember the path to being more like Jesus is through His Holy Spirit. So get curious about the Holy Spirit. Read about the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to have more of your life. You may get scared. That's okay. You may feel very uncomfortable. That's all right. You can handle scared and discomfort. You can handle all of that just fine. If you're sitting here today and you truly don't believe that this is true for you, remember Joel's words, even them, even you. And you could tell me your story of everything you've done, and it doesn't mean it doesn't include you. Anybody that calls on the name of the Jesus, this gift is for them. So let me ask you a question. Where would you go and what would you need to do in order to better hear God's Spirit? What do you need to do and where do you need to go to connect with God's Holy Spirit? You don't need to have a bunch of verses memorized to do this. You don't need to have like these really elaborate sentences that you form correctly. Go like a kid, even if you're an adult, just go like a big kid. Like, I don't even know what I'm asking for God. I just want more of your Spirit, more of your presence in my life, in my midst, in me, moving, changing, empowering me. He is not going to force himself upon you. He's inviting you to invite him and to all of you to be fully immersed, fully baptized, nothing untouched. And some of you, you're going to wade in ankle deep, and that's as far as you can get this week. That's okay. You're just going to dip your toe in and be like, this is uncomfortable. That's okay. Some of you are just going to cannonball in because that's how you do everything in life which has led to needing more of the Holy Spirit to help you through your problems. That's understandable, (laughs) right? Cannonball in, tiptoe in. I wish we could just throw us all in. We're not going to throw anybody in. It's a metaphor. I'm not talking about getting in water. I hope you guys are following me that. Okay. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, uh, Lauren, would you just come and play a little bit in the background? i invite all my prayer teams up. This is just a step for today. We're going to invite prayer teams. Come on up, guys. Come join me up here. Um, let someone pray for you. If your heart is like, I want more of the Holy Spirit, I don't understand everything. If you, if God surfaced a lie, you believe, come share that with one of them. You can share it with somebody you came with, of course, that you're sitting next to. But we are available, not because we're so holy. We're just the, even us? That's how we all feel up here. Even us? Come get prayer. I'm going to close us in prayer. If you need prayer, I'm going to invite you up to get it. If you want us to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit over you, we're going to lay hands, and we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit fills you. If you just want more of a spirit, you have it, you're Christian. You just want more. We want to just agree with you in prayer for more. Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. Holy Spirit does. If you need to give your life, if you need to repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus, then come repent and we'll pray with you for that. If you need prayer for something that has literally nothing to do with today's message at all, come get prayer for that. You can do it with the person sitting next to you. You can do it with someone up here. But I'm gonna close this in prayer and our service is gonna be over. You can leave, you can stay and reflect and just sit by yourself or you can go grab your kids and get lunch. But if you need prayer, come get it. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, baptize me. Fill me over and over. Make me more like your son, Jesus. Remove any lies that I believe that don't align with you. Help me to know in my worst moments that even if everybody leaves me, you don't. There are people sitting here whose spouses have left them, whose kids have stopped talking to them, whose parents have left them, and they get a sense that maybe you're like that and you're nothing like that. Help them to know that. Remove lies today, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Be our helper. Fill us up with your Spirit and send us out to move in your spirit in a world that is dry and thirsty for anything that can satisfy them Holy Spirit you satisfy and you're not far from any of us so fill us fill those at home in their car listening to this fill them by your spirit Lord Jesus we pray all of this in the wonderful beautiful name above all names Jesus Amen Please, uh, you are free to go. Come get prayer if you need it. Love you guys. Newcomer's Lunch happening after prayer.